Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name's Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host. Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I am very excited to be here to talk about Dan's pick for this fortnight, The Giant Claw. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, which is a, a film that we have some history with, Dan. Uh, why don't you tell the precious Arrowheads about how we watched this uh, for the first time together? Is, is this the first film we watched together outside of a film festival, Sam? I think it might well be. I think it, it, it is, in fact, yes. Many years ago, mm-hmm. dearest beloved... In the dark and distant past, Hmm. Sam and I met in a weird country called France, um, and we immediately hit it off talking about uh, weird films. (laughs) (laughs) And then somehow this became a thing that we decided we would watch for the first time, watching a film outside a festival. We must have known each other, what, like six months by this point? I think so, yeah. Maybe less. I think um, I, maybe s- even a couple of months, actually, because... Um, yeah, maybe it was even sooner than that, yeah. Because we're still fascinated by the Lefe glass. Oh, yeah, the giant Lefe glass. Mm-hmm. Sam and I are going to tell an old story that's not particularly related to film. <laughs> Sam and I were at a bar in Cannes at the film festival, and they had this preposterous Lefe glass that I think holds about a gallon of liquid, uh, about five litres, on one of the high shelves. This bar was beneath the apartment that Jen and I were staying in that year uh, so we'd occasionally like meet up there at the beginning of the day before going and watching films or maybe we'd get a drink there at the end of the day when things were winding down uh, but we were there quite a lot and we kept on seeing this glass and we kept on like talking about maybe we should ha 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 we should get that glass because I was drinking Lefe at the time like you know that was the beer I was getting there anyway and so eventually we we're like fuck it they'll go on let's 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 find out at least how much it is and I think it was 55 euros for the glass that is a bargain not bad considering the fucking preposterous volume of beer it contains so the next time the next next time that we were in there uh he came along and i said oh yeah we'll get a lefe for for the lady and a couple of things of chips and we'll get the uh, the giant lefe glass as well <laughs> that sam and i are gonna share and he was like ah, ha, 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 of course and he brought us jen's lefe and he brought us the chips and he didn't bring us the giant fucking glass and as he walked past i was like excuse me monsieur monsieur excusez-moi uh <laughs> Can we have the big Lefe glass, please? And he's like, ah, and walks off. And I'm like, fuck, he thinks I'm joking. I can't, how do I get this? And eventually his wife, who co-ran the bar with him, walked past. And I said, excuse me, um, could we uh, could we get the giant Lefe glass full of uh, Lefe, please? I know it's 55 euros, but we're very serious and we definitely like it. And she was like, oh, okay, yeah, we, we. And she went and she got it down off the shelf and she started washing it. And her husband ran over all like fucking flustered. and was like, no, they're joking. Don't fill that with beer they're clearly not serious <laughs> what kind of fucking lunatic <laughs> anyway we were serious and we <laughs> it was a brilliant night and i don't remember anything else amazing i love it yes that is a perfect rendition of that story and a very very happy memory and that takes us directly into the giant claw which is also about a ridiculously large thing that um, yeah. should never be taken Which off the shelf. Which is probably full of liquid. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, that that someone probably ran out screaming saying, what are you doing? Don't put that in a movie. Of course, that's not for a movie, but it is for a movie. And uh, it's wonderful. And uh, I I absolutely adore the, the bird in this film. Uh, I have a lot of affection for it. And yeah, just to kind of finish the point, um, Dan and I basically... 
we watched the giant claw and we watched another movie which i'm not going to spoil because it's going to be in my recommendations if it's not in dan's recommendations but basically we watched a lot oh well blood freak then i will spoil it now but um <laughs> but it's still going to be in your recommendations dad curses shaking the fist (laughs) at the screen um but yeah blood freak's amazing but i'll talk about that in a little bit uh let's talk about the giant claw first dan what is the plot also we watched it in the garden we did yeah with watched it on a projector screen in the garden with other bird movies as well and bird short films and it was basically a a bird themed movie marathon oh yeah what was that fucking owl thing we watched that short owl film yeah that was that still haunts my nightmares um i'll see if i can remember what that's called during the during the podcast if we don't name it by the end of this podcast then hopefully you'll be able to dig it out and share it on twitter because yeah that was quite a quite an experience but yes bird-based stuff giant claw has the greatest bird of all of cinema in it dan what is the plot of the giant claw a mysterious force is knocking american planes out of the sky what the fuck's going on that's the plot that's the plot i think for me what works so well about this movie is the fact that that very basic plot is played with the uttermost seriousness of science um so every time the the goofy muppet bird shows up you get the sense that the monster is supposed to be genuinely scary which does significantly add to the hilarity though i'm kind of with kim newman on this i don't know if you watched his introduction dan yes yeah, yeah, Um, yeah i do think there is a certain amount of technical skill within this puppet within this yeah, early I like him. animatronic i like him too but he is silly you, you've got to admit that he is silly yeah he's fucking dumb he's goofy <laughs> as shit but i think what's so a i've worked with marionette style puppets before and they're a fucking ball egg and b they look great if they're only in a world populated by marionettes the second you put them up against real world environments <laughs> they look like bobbing nonsense <laughs> Yes, bobbing nonsense is is a good tagline for this film. I don't really know what to say about this one, Dan, other than the fact that I really enjoyed watching it with you many years ago and I was astonished to see that it was being put out on Blu-ray by Arrow. Such a treat. It is a real treat. It's a nice box set as well. Yeah, lovely box set. Do you remember what we really, really like grasped upon the first time we watched it the uh the phrase it's a metric of measurement if that helps oh no i don't actually but please it's it there's more than a hat full of wind outside sam there you go i mean that is how i still measure things to this day dan Um, how much of it can you put in a hat exactly uh or indeed a lefe glass um but that's it those are the three and battleships (laughs) how many battleships is it how many how many giant lefe glasses can it fill how many hats full is it? This is part of a box set, as you mentioned, that has four Sam Katzman movies in it. And it's a box set that kind of summarises everything that's great about B-movie entertainment uh, from uh, a certain perspective. It exemplifies the 50s era of B-movie filmmaking, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, There's like a bit of hokey science thrown at it. It's made of antimatter. It's not showing up on a radar. It represents a sort of pervasive outer fear that was being represented whether it's nuclear proliferation or the the idea that 
our protection is reliant on new technology, in this instance radar, that should it be circumvented will leave us so stripped bare and, and sort of delicate to the world. Then on top of that, you've got the idea that technology is moving too fast and, oh, but what if we don't understand it? What if all these things we've got are bad now? Which is a great, like, worry. One of the things I really love about that and I, uh, about this era is that, like, fear of technology. And we kind of have it in stuff now, but it's always really, like, sour and, like, po-faced when people are, like, worried about technology now because things like Facebook are fucking ruining the world for real rather than it just being, like, exploitational conjecture. And I just wish we had movies that were this tone about what's going on. Like, imagine a fucking like self-driving car movie made in the tone of the giant claw exactly yeah i love that and and there's a couple more of examples of that on the box set itself you've got the creature with the atom brain um which has you know atomic powered zombie nazis and it's kind of i I think the first example certainly a very early example there's also she demon but i think that was a bit later where the voodoo element of zombies was taken away and it was replaced yeah. with kind of science in terms of the origin of of the creatures and yeah there's also the werewolf uh, on this box set from 1956 which was described as a turning point where horror basically took over from science fiction in the in the 50s um horror wasn't particularly big in the early 50s but in the late 50s it had a kind of roaring comeback and the werewolf on this set is described as the kind of turning point movie for that which is really interesting and yeah you know there's zombies of mora tau which is slightly less interesting but if you're a pirates of the caribbean fan then uh, you'll find plenty (laughs) to enjoy there um but i really enjoy i really like that one i've got a soft spot for that it's fun but in terms of like its place within cinema history it's kind of less interesting to talk about but for me the giant claw is the towering gem in the box set uh it is something that everyone should see at least once very short as well so um doesn't require a lot of your time which isn't in and out chip chop yeah that's not the highest praise you can give a movie like you don't have to spend long watching it but uh it's certainly i'm not sure how i would feel about the giant claw if it was three hours long for example it's like a perfect pop song it gets in and out it does its job um and is very fun and ridiculous did you watch this one on your own dan this time around I did, yeah. I'd actually intended to have someone else come over and and watch it with me because I I wanted to sort of try and recapture the fun of that last watch. But my schedule has just been such that I haven't really been able to do that. But you know what? Just watching on its own, it was still an absolute delight. Yeah, no. And and we've got those memories of that original watch. Exactly, it benefits from that little bit of nostalgia. Because I I also watched this one on my own and yeah, it just really took me back and yeah filled me with lots of warm feelings so i'm not entirely sure if i can do a a kind of a flawless recommendation there because my feelings towards this film is so tied up in those memories but it's still a silly goofy film that i think anyone would find fun even if they don't have um, memories of watching it nestled in blood freak and a weird owl short film that's been discovered on on youtube i i massively recommend the giant claw i've just talked myself around <laughs> into Yay! it again um but i've remembered the film that we yes! watched together the short film what was it called uh so most importantly it's directed by chris marker 
Oh. He directed Le Jeté. Yeah. So you know that it's proper. It's not like some fucking weird old shit that Sam and I found. It's legit cinema. Thank you very much. Before I tell you the title, let me read you the synopsis off IMDb. A variety of owls look around. Sometimes they sleep. They seem to say something with their eyes. There are mice and young owls too. Wow. Fucking cinema. <laughs> Three minutes long and it's called An Owl is an Owl is an Owl. There we go. And yeah, never a true word has been spoken. I remembered it as just an owl and I was like, how the fuck do I search for that? <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're not really on recommendations yet, but we'll get there soon. But that's definitely a recommendation if you want to recreate the, the weird ass marathon that we had. Let's talk a little bit about the extras because we haven't said a single thing about any of oh, them oh they're yet. a treat though actually that's a lie because i did mention kim newman's introduction kim. Uh, which is wonderful yeah it is really great and mine just says intro from kim newman standing up for the effects i too love them and him exactly yeah his his appreciation of the puppet specifically bordered on moving for me i just yeah i really liked it yeah his his passion and and he's right i mean i challenge anyone making films in the modern era to create a puppet as purely entertaining every time you see this puppet on screen you're happy you're not necessarily afraid though there are some shots like there's a close-up of a mouth that i would have found probably unnerving if i'd watched it when i was like five or six but um, yeah no i think to kids this this could be potentially scary but like that's that's imagine if this film worked like imagine if it was actually scary it'd be fucking horrifying (laughs) some of the shit this bird gets up to (laughs) is really dark yeah yeah it's oh it's fantastic yeah that darkness is a key element of why it's so entertaining i wasn't a massive fan of the commentary i don't know how you felt about it i i quite liked it like it was it was a bit goofy in places and i could definitely do without all the fucking bird puns at the beginning but there there is right at the beginning a line that is definitely straight into my fucking poncy film chat lexicon (laughs) which is exploitation is the lens through which the zeitgeist can be filtered well that's 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 a good line isn't it yeah that's true that is a good line i mean for me it felt a little bit empty and it felt like it posed more questions than answers and yeah fair and it it did have a sense of humor that i didn't connect with you know all the puns and stuff as you say but they're pleasant enough people to spend you know an hour or so with i just hour and 17 minutes yeah yeah. i just wish there was a little bit more kind of direct expertise and insight yes exactly yeah 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 it's 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 a slightly scanter uh commentary but it's functional yeah exactly um i think that the gem of the extra features on this is mike white's visual essay oh yeah and i know sam how much you love a visual essay i do yeah it's really really well put together the the sound was a little bit unusual it it felt a little bit tinny but i guess guess that's kind of era appropriate but yeah no really really beautifully put together lots of excellent facts it's everything i want from a visual essay basically and you're right it is it is the gem showing uh showing the level of professionalism that mike brings to his uh to his visual essay he does something i've never seen anyone do in a visual essay before which is mid-sentence he pauses to make sure that the line of dialogue in the clip he's talking over isn't obscured (laughs) and it's so nicely done yeah it's great really recommend watching that one and of of course kim newman's introduction and i just wish that there were more kim newman commentaries like get him in for the commentary for the love of god i know he's very busy and it's probably easy for him to record or easier for him to record a bunch of you know talking head introductions in one sitting rather than doing a load of commentaries but 
come on, Kim, I, I want your insight and expertise and, and defence throughout the whole movie, not just in front of it. Yeah, yeah, justify it. Tell us what the bird's thinking. <laughs> it does also have an 8 mil. Uh, cut down print yes, it on does. this, which I was very pleased to see. Mm. Um, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the way to watch the movie, but you can guarantee it's got all the bird stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> why would you not? And you know what I said um, about like how short the film is? Well, guess what? This is even, even shorter. So It's 11 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I like. I love this stuff. I, yeah, um, me too. The, the DVD that I have of Anthropophagus Beast from Germany has one of these on it as well, and it's an absolute treat. And you and I, Tam, have talked a few times about how much we'd like movies to include, like, an old VHS rip or the old VCD print or, like, you know, the old shitty dub or whatever. And I think between this and then, like, also the mad audio on that Gamera picture we were talking about, there's a, a slow embrace into this way of thinking where it's not just about having the newest, sparkliest, shiniest, cleanest version of the film. Sometimes it's nice to be able to go back and sit in the grunge of the old versions as well absolutely and the and the main advantage is you can encode them like shit and it doesn't matter so they don't take up too much room hey like if something's only been available off a tv record and it had the logo of the channel in the corner kind of burned into it i want that version on the blu-ray as well yeah just for nostalgic reasons really but yeah and this does i guess this feeds into the fact that i find it very difficult to get rid of old copies of things mm. when new copies come out if there's even the slightest difference which means that my attic is now full of dvds that i now have on blu-ray hmm. and 4k downstairs yeah uh, i don't have very many of my vhs but i've got vcds i've got laser disc but yeah i'm like well i can't get rid of this it's got two and a half well, two and a half seconds is actually quite a lot <laughs> We'd all we'd all go crazy for an extra two and a half seconds <laughs> for some films, but like I've I've still got a, a VHS like second generation VHS of the submission tape of Nil by Mouth mm. for BBFC. No, I've got a first generation BBFC submission tape of Nil by Mouth, which is a slightly different edit. I've got a second generation of Doberman, which has got extra baby death. Oh wow, that's incredible. Um, yeah, uh, I can't get that, rid of them. That's it. Like you hang on to these things because of the nostalgia. And nostalgia is a big reason that we're covering this film, this fortnight. It is such a happy memory watching it with you, Dan. And yeah, let's hope that we inspire some of the Arrowheads to create their own happy memories watching this crazy movie with their friends. But until then, let's move on to recommendations based on the film. Dan, what have you got this fortnight? Uh, my first recommendation is from 1957. It's a tight 63 minutes. Yes. It's fantastic. It's Chock-A-Block with Papier-Mâché Monsters. It's from Roger Corman. <laughs> it's Attack of the Crab Monster. <laughs> Amazing. What a movie. I love this film. Oh, tell yeah, tell everyone is, about it. This is great. It's got some slightly boring bits in between. All the crab stuff, but the crab stuff's while you're there. Get to the meat. Rip off the shell. I don't know how you eat a crab. I've never eaten a crab. <laughs> right, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's just a fucking treat. It's full of wonky crap puppets. They're the best. Uh, they've got like seaweed on them, big crabs. What, what more do you want from me, Sam? What more do you want from cinema? I mean, yeah, quite. It's glorious. It's Roger Corman directing, which is a treat mm. because, like, later on, he was much more obviously a producer. But, but like his early stuff as a director, he he really had something about him. The reason he was able to go on and become this sort of like magnate of exploitation cinema of low budget like cde movie cinema um was that he started out as a very strong exploitation director 
uh, an attack of the crab monster is peak corman yeah it's a treat i love it yeah and if you don't want to watch a film called attack of the crab monsters then what on earth is wrong with you yeah wonderful wonderful recommendation snippy snippy my uh first recommendations title is slightly more vague and the more i look at it the more i wonder why it is in fact called this but deadly eyes have you seen deadly eyes dan yeah yeah, Yeah. yeah. so i thought i'd go for a film that takes itself very seriously but with utterly preposterous monsters and deadly eyes uh, contain some of the most ridiculous and cute monsters of all time it is based on james herbert's the rats and you'd think that perhaps that would be a better title james herbert's the rats because it's a hugely successful book uh, <laughs> and yeah it, it does uh, take itself seriously enough to deliver one of the most disturbing deaths i've ever seen on film in terms of the victim chosen which is completely faithful to the book you know no spoilers for people who haven't seen it or read the book but it is fucked up the reason i'm recommending this one is purely based on the fact that the creatures in it are giant evil rats they're supposed to be terrifying but (laughs) in order to create the special effect they basically dressed up a bunch of very small dogs as rats daxons daxons exactly and a couple of terriers as well i believe but yeah they're all just you see them running around and you just think oh they're just they're cute they just want to play with their new friend um as opposed to (laughs) the reaction you're supposed to have which is oh my god they're going to kill that man and or woman because they run like excited small dogs (laughs) apparently apparently they couldn't see in their rat costumes that's correct yeah so they had so they had to be lured around with like smell and sound yeah they had to be tempted by delicious treats so that actually makes it even more um ridiculous because you know that they're happily running towards something that they think they're going to enjoy um and so you can see that jauntiness in their uh, little footsteps they're adorable deadly eyes if you've ever wanted to cuddle uh, a giant rat <laughs> then uh, this is the film for you um deadly eyes i i sort of it's, recommend uh, it it's it's this, insane it's not a great film no it's a fun film it's been i've got the blu-ray i've not watched it since i bought the blu-ray I've, I, I remember it from a long time ago i haven't seen it in years and i it's been on my list for a long time i actually the, did it as a double t- bill with um of unknown origin nice yeah a rat double feature and yeah of, nice of unknown origin is actually a supplementary recommendation nothing to do with the giant claw but yeah Just if you like biz if you like films about people slowly mentally unwinding in front of you then um yeah very much recommend of unknown origin um it's kind of like a, a tales from the crypt episode gone feature length about uh, a kind of obsessive businessman guy who's obsessed with his home and with kind of everything being in its right place and a rat invades his apartment and things kind of go from there uh culminating in in a very very fun and silly third act yeah sorry i just went into a recommendation of, no, of unknown origin dan what's next from you or what's first from well, you I was, based on the giant claw next from i was you. actually gonna i was gonna go, <laughs> go back to deadly eyes aka the pack oh nice yeah, uh, yeah no it's not the pack the pack is a different one of his movies anyway look the point is that he got two oscar nominations Sam. wait what not for deadly eyes 
No, not for Deadly Eyes. Obviously not for fucking Deadly <laughs> Eyes. Robert Robert Klaus, the director of Deadly Eyes, got two Oscar nominations, both for short films. But he did Enter the Dragon, for fuck's sake. Yes. and the Same guy. Spoiler. He did Jim Carter. He did Jim Carter, Sam. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... I, I get Game more Death, Jim Battle Carter Green vibes Brawl. from this than Enter the Dragon, despite the fact there is a, a sequence in which people are in a cinema watching a Bruce Lee film in, in this movie. I won't go into any spoilers about that sequence, but it is very entertaining and silly. Uh, Deadly Eyes. We're going to stop talking about Deadly Eyes and we're going to start talking about Dan's next recommendation, which is... It's from 2001, Sam. Mm -hmm. It's The Lost Skeleton of Cadavra. Oh, nice. Tell us more. Do you remember that? I do, vaguely, yeah. But so the Lost Skeleton of Cadavra is an unusual uh, recommendation on my part because I'm not normally into like knowingly shonky films. That's right. I think when you try and do like when you try and ape the the sort of like passionate naivete and very very earnest shonkiness of these old movies or even of the modern bad movies it can go very wrong it, it, it feels cynical or it just misfires it doesn't work the lost skeleton cadavra by a chap called larry blamir who i've not seen any of his other films but checking up on him earlier it looks like he's kind of ridden this one horse into the sunset so there's like a there's like a sequel to lost skeleton and a couple of other things that look like they're contextually aligned i've not seen them but lost skeleton of cadaver is a real treat it's a it's a scientist and his wife against a mad scientist who has a sentient skeleton there's uh there's some like fun made-up science in there very much like the antimatter bird in giant claw mm-hmm. featuring like some elements that they've made up uh, i think there's some aliens in the mix it's been a while but it's all black and white it manages to pretty well capture the aesthetic as far as i remember you know you might revisit it i might revisit it and go ah fuck it looks like it's shot on vhs but or mini dv even worse but um but actually by memory it looks like one of those movies it's really fun wonderful I've got a new recommendation, but I'm going to save it till later. Oh, all right. Well, um, I'm going to recommend uh, one of the films that Dan and I watched together, uh, which I mentioned in the main chat, Blood Free. And this is a pro-Christian, which is surprising. Dan was the one that actually um, picked this one out. Uh, for for the marathon for the bird marathon i love a bit of religion in my movies yeah and i can't believe that he was trying to you know turn me by putting on this utterly compelling argument for christianity um and chickens and and well turkeys actually you know yeah 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 it's uh one of those rare mutant turkey movies that were so popular in the 70s and 80s they weren't at all can't fucking move for them (laughs) it is it is very very strange very very unique tonally all over the place but just utterly utterly mesmerizing from start to finish i'm gonna say nothing about the plot because I'm not even sure if I could explain it if I tried. Watching it makes me feel like I I have a a slight concussion. It's just utterly, utterly stupid, utterly, utterly charming, despite the fact it's a pro-religious anti-drug movie. You just sit there thinking, ah, bless them, throughout the whole thing. Um, Incredible special effects, much like The Giant Claw. Um, you've never seen a mutant turkey like this one. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it's, all I'm going to say, really, yeah. other than, you know, it features a biker named Herschel coming up against some uh, very unusual circumstances. Blood Freak. I feel like that must be a reference. Yeah, exactly. It's got to be. But why would these... The film is so 
<laughs> so completely unknowing in every other way. Exactly. So I just think they accidentally struck gold with that uh, naming, but also with the entire movie. I really would adore it if Arrow could somehow put this out as a Blu-ray. It's just oh, so much fun. Well, you know what? Maybe the original material's on there. Maybe they just stick it on the streaming service. I feel like there you go. that... You, you remember how Criterion used to do the Eclipse range when stuff couldn't wasn't good enough to go to Blu-ray, mm. but they'd do like a little three-pack or a four-pack of films on DVD? Yeah. Arrow should be doing that with their streaming service. That's it. And even the Criterion channel throws on stuff that's not actually out on the... Um, you're fucking nude on the moon on the Criterion <laughs> channel. Stay in your lane, Criterion. <laughs> Incredible. Well, on that controversial bombshell, let's move on to stuff that we've watched over the past couple of weeks. You know, I never thought I'd hear Dan say stay in your lane, Criterion, but I love it. Um, Dan, what have you been watching recently? I watched a 1939 Boris Karloff movie by Nick Grind, or Grind, called The Man They Could Not Hang. Oh, wow. It's a treat. I would say it's got a Karloff best performance in it. Oh. Maybe not the whole film, but there's a speech he gives sort of in the middle that's fucking amazing. He's a scientist who reckons he's found out a way of bringing people back from the dead, as long as it's done relatively quickly. He's going to prove this. His young assistant has volunteered to be electrocuted and then brought back to life but the assistant's girlfriend is so like worried about it that when she finds herself locked out of the experimentation room because she's gonna fucking fuss with stuff because she's a, a woman in 1939 she uh, she goes to the police and the police turn up and stop the doctor before he's able to resurrect his assistant thus essentially being responsible themselves for the death of the assistant what follows is a court case movie <laughs> where they try the doctor and whose fault was it was it the police for stopping him from bringing this guy back to life for that defense to work everybody has to believe that he was capable of bringing the guy back to life and they probably don't believe that and then boris karloff is in a very inaccurate representation of the legal system allowed to just fucking shout at everybody for 10 minutes and then it turns into a really fucking mad dr phoebe's film how did you come across this one where did you see it is it a blu-ray uh, or is it um... no it's on youtube i mean i think there, there is probably a dvd about i don't think there's a blu-ray mm-hmm. But I may be wrong. I was just doing a, a late night trawl. I was in. It was. I, I didn't watch this in the last two weeks. Sam. I watched this when I was in Hungary, and I meant to mention it last That's time, and I forgot. Yeah, no, I was in Hungary. Uh, I didn't have all my films with me, so I was just trawling around on YouTube, and I found it. And it's a. It's a treat. Like you know, nice to see a color film I've not watched before. It's. Uh, it's a little scenery chewy, and the ending's a bit abrupt, but ultimately, it's great. Love it. Well, my first recommendation this fortnight is a, a similar level of treatiness but it is a blu-ray it was put out by draft house films in 2005 um, this was a recommendation to me from shay who was recommended it by her friend angie and it's one of these films where once you watch it you do have to kind of pass it on like a holy relic uh, it is dangerous men have you seen dangerous men dan I have not. Right. Well, this is fucking magnificent. I'm going to just read the back of the box, actually, rather than try to, to put it into my own words, because I'm not sure if I could do better than this. Right. Here we go. In 1979, Iranian filmmaker John S. Rad moved to the US to shoot his dream project, a rampaging gutter epic of crime, revenge, cop, sex and raw power. Just 26 years later, he completed an American action film, Masterpiece, that the world is still barely ready for today, Dangerous Men. 
after Mina witnesses her fiancé's brutal murder by beach thugs, which, incidentally, this isn't written on the back of the box, but the scene plays out to what appears to be a Casio keyboard up-tempo <laughs> setting <laughs> that just p- repeats on a loop throughout the entire scene completely inappropriately. That's what we like. Yeah, that's what we like. Um, brutal murder by beach thugs. She sets out on a venomous spree to eradicate all human trash from Los Angeles. Armed with a knife. <laughs> uh, it's a funny knife. A gun and an un- undying <laughs> rage. She murders her way through the masculine half of the city's populace. A renegade cop is hot on her heels, a trail that also leads him to the subhuman criminal overlord known as Black Pepper. It's a pulse-pounding, heart-stopping, brain-devouring onslaught of 80s thunder, 90s lightning and pure film-making daredeviltry from another time and or dimension. Blades flash, blood flows, bullets fly and synthesizers blare as the morgue overflows with the corpses of dangerous men. So yeah, it took 26 years to make this film. It was started in 1979 and completed for this release in 2005. I'm talking now, by the way. I've stopped reading the back of the box. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like it, it utterly, utterly deserves every moment of those 26 years. It is one of the most giddy joy experiences that i've had in a long time watching a movie there are so many sequences where you think that it stopped following these characters but then it goes on to follow characters kind of muttering to themselves for another kind of five or ten minutes even though it's only kind of 80 minutes long you don't feel shortchanged. i was happy to follow a man who'd been stripped of all of his clothes and left by the side of the road. He wanders off shot and you think that's the end of him, but then you go on to follow him for quite a long time as he um, remonstrates with himself for (laughs) finding himself in the situation he's in as he tries to cover himself with bush leaves. It's just, it's more (laughs) insane than that sounds. Um, And it already sounds quite insane. So I very, very much recommend getting involved with some dangerous men as soon as possible. Like I say, on Blu-ray, Draft House Films, and it's region free. So if you can find a copy, I'm not sure if it's out of print. Um, This was Shay's copy that we watched. But um, if you can find it do watch dangerous men i recommend it nice i'm gonna i'm gonna go back I, I i took advantage of your long uh description there sam which i very much enjoyed to do a little bit of research because i felt a little uncomfortable just saying that the man they could not hang was not available and it turns out it is available but not on its own you have to buy a, a box set to get it uh so you can get it as part of eureka's Carloff at columbia um uh box set and i will say that five minutes ago there were two copies left on amazon now there is one copy left on amazon oh that's good i'm glad you picked it up i have i have bought it for myself yeah i mean good luck getting it at the time of recording there is one copy left on amazon it contains the black room the man they could not hang the man with nine lives before i hang the devil commands the boogeyman will get you those are the films on that set i've seen literally one of them so i'm very excited excellent yeah, I, I think I've got a copy of that kicking around somewhere, so I will dig it out. Oh, yeah, man. It. Check out The Man They Couldn't Hang. It's great. Fantastic. Excellent. All right, well, uh, what's your next recommendation based on the past couple of weeks, Dan? Do you like plummy British Victorian horror? I do not. Oh, well, then you won't like this. <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> 
it's one of my favourite things. It's like massively over-enunciated plummy British horror. Um, uh, and in this instance, it is a right treat. I also like films, and I think you're slightly more on side with this, where characters make decisions that are entirely without merit. Yes, I do like that very much. Well, so maybe you've seen this and maybe you love it. Maybe you've seen it and maybe you hate it, Sam. Let's find out. There is only one way to tell. It is if I tell you what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> it's uh, Peter Newbrook's 1972 film The Asphyx. Oh, I have not seen this, no. But oh, tell us it's more. It's a treat. It's got wobbly old puppets. It's got <laughs> plummy old Victorians. A scientist pre the invention of cinema, that's very important, a scientist is taking photographs of the recently deceased and starts to notice smudges on the film. Don't worry about that bit that happened before the credits. You'll forget about that. That won't matter. He's looking at film and he's going, well, why is there a smudge? Maybe this is the soul leaving the body. Maybe we should film a man being hanged. So they go to an execution. He's invented a camera. Like, this is the first camera. This is pre-Lumiere. He's, uh, he's invented a camera. They go to a hanging and they film it and uh, and he's like, I can't get enough light. This is sort of like backstory at this point. I can't get enough light, so I've invented a thing where I burn crystals in a thing, and then there's a lens, and it makes light. And I, holy fucking shit, I've caught the creature that takes your life away when you die. So using a beam of strong light, he's able to visualise, make visible, and then catch in a box of burning light crystals the asphyx, the creature that comes to every person and animal as they die and takes their life force away. Each person has one, and once he is able to capture the asphyx, that person becomes immortal. That is his theory. Now he just has to test it in a whole bunch of ridiculous ways. I believe this is a film that obviously I haven't seen because I kind of, I do tend to avoid like posho films, what I see as, as you know film this is a nice one because it, it does feel like it's a cautionary tale about like blind unchecked power oh yeah no I, i'll definitely watch it then yeah that sounds great and it's uh one that i believe scorsese recommended to edgar wright is that right you remember i can totally believe that i don't remember it but i totally believe it yeah scorsese sent a list of films for uh, edgar wright to check out and i believe this was one of them and um i think it was one that edgar had already seen potentially but was a, a huge fan of um either way so yeah it comes recommended by dan and by edgar wright so i will absolutely check it out it sounds great yeah and you know like really i just i just want more films where people say you bloody fool <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um there's no one saying you bloody fool in my next recommendation but it would be appropriate because i'm going to recommend blood and lace dan blood and lace uh, have you seen Blood and Lace? Well, I mean, I I feel like I have, but you're missing out the word black. What's <laughs> going on? Yeah, it's uh, it's from 1971. It is not Blood and Black Lace. It is simply Blood and Lace, otherwise known as Blood Secret. But Blood and Lace is is how it's being sold by uh, Shout Factory on Blu-ray. Uh, I believe it might be out of print, so there's a chance this could be a very disappointing episode for people who didn't manage to get to Dan's Eureka Karloff collection and now this but if you can find Blood and Lace it is a fascinating film it does have a kind of Herschel Gordon Lewis energy to it and we've mentioned Herschel quite a lot in recent episodes but it's a very early example of an American slasher and it 
it's from 1971, so the same year as Bay of Blood. So it's actually quite an important movie. Wow! I'd say. Yeah, yeah, and it opens with a kind of POV hammer death, which is very resonant of Halloween, actually. And I'm pretty sure John Carpenter would have seen this one. But then it goes off into slightly weirder areas. It's got Uncle Leo from Seinfeld as um, as a kind of weird, sinister, creepy handyman type person in this home for wayward children and they start getting killed and we're not entirely sure why but I'm certainly not going to explain any of the reasons why all of this is going on because it leads to one of the most insane reveals like the final minute of this movie it, it's hilarious from a certain point of view but utterly utterly dark and depraved and chilling from another perspective that's actually the main takeaway from this is that it's got one of the most fucked up twists ever i've ever seen it's also violent the the opening hammer murder as i say very bloody and uh, intense but this was actually a PG when it was released and it's got to be the most fucked up PG I've seen for sure. But if you like that kind of weird, wacky, wild shit, you know, early 70s exploitation, B-movie violence, definitely, definitely check out Blood and Lace. I promise you, you will not forget the final reveal. Holy shit. And it's also got a masked maniac running around as well and the mask reminded me a lot of Trash Humpers, Dan. Um, I was I was going to say I've just looked it up and I would say that I would call the mask Freddy Puga. <laughs> so there you go, uh, blood and lace. It is ridiculous, but yeah, I really, really, it's it's one of my favourite watches of the year by far. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. So if you like that kind of thing, then I recommend Blood and Lace from 1971 on Blu-ray from Shout Factory. Amazing. I, I might have to check that out. I've, uh, I did, I like, while you were talking, I did a little bit of an image search, hence my Freddy Puga joke. And my favourite image that I found is a piece of old advertising that was handed to cinemas to convince them to play it. Mm-hmm. And it takes the poster, which I'm sure you're familiar with, which is the bloody hammer coming down onto a woman's face. Mm-hmm. But they've added the text "smash," <laughs> and, and and "smash" has been written in a, like a sort of broken, crumpled font, like it has been smashed. Oh. And it's uh, and it's under the hammer, and then it's "smash" those box office records with blood and lace. Perfect, excellent. Yeah, I mean, don't do too much digging around this film, though, precious Arrowhead. No, no, no. I'm um, because you you definitely don't want it spoiled. Because um, yeah, it is fucking bonkers, Dan. That's it from you, right? That's it from me. Yeah, I think that's it from us. All right, let's got, let's do I've... extra features, extra features, shall extra we? Features, extra features, extra features, extra features. You have an extra feature? Yeah, I've got an extra feature. It's actually uh, based on the giant claw. And it's just something that came to me while we were talking about it, as uh, these are so often. It's a computer game, Sam. Oh, when was the last time we recommended a computer game? I don't game? think we ever have. No. Okay, so this is... It's available on the PlayStation. It's available on Steam. I don't know about other platforms, but probably, I guess, if it started off as an indie on Steam and then ported, so it's probably on all the consoles. But it's called Deadly Tower of Monsters. Hey! Um, it's an absolute delight. It's so meta, it's going to hurt everybody's brain, me trying to describe it. And I suspect, Sam, that there will be a little connection that you might make in your brain. Oh. Um, you are watching you're playing the game but when you're playing the game it's as though you're watching a movie ah yes and you're playing the movie that you're watching but you're not watching the movie 
like a normal movie, you're watching the director's commentary of the movie. So you have this Roger Corman-esque voice talking about what it was like to make the movie, and every time your character dies or like something goes wrong, he will comment on it as though like, oh god, we were meant to cut this bit out. The guy fell down the hole here. And the aesthetic is very much designed to be like a 50s movie. So after all I said about Cadavera being a, a rare example of me not enjoying the sort of pastiche of these things, this is another one, and I fucking loved it. All the monsters look like puppets. Uh, like there's lots of visible, like whenever the flying monsters come in in a later level, all the strings are visible on screen, even though it's all CGI, obviously, being a computer game. And it's an absolute delight. The comedy is really good. It gets really meta towards the end. Uh, like more meta than that more meta than the base concept um it's really really solid and it's a good game as well so yeah if you like computer games it's essentially uh, a 3d world platformer and it's really good fun fantastic i will check that out as the director of a little more flesh which i think is what you're uh this is what i was getting at. to yep uh, i'll definitely check this out and a little more flesh and a little more flesh 2 are still available on vhs via black video black video uh check out my twitter it's the pin tweet if you would like to buy a vhs of both of my movies and get sent digital files we're coming up to the best films of the year so you've got to watch it before you compile your favorite films of the year surely there you go you gave me an opportunity for a plug there dan that i wasn't entirely prepared for but uh, let's move on to and social media. And yet you <laughs> rolled it out like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to social media. Speaking of Twitter, Dan, how can people follow you? I'm at 13fingerfx on both Twitter and Instagram. That's it. If you go and look at my Instagram right now, you'll either see me holding an award or you will see me not acknowledging that awards are a thing. <laughs> I think we'll see you holding an award, for goodness sake. Yeah, it will be a travesty if, if we don't. But yes, you can not see any awards on my Instagram, which is Sam Ashurst 23, the number two, the number three. But uh, you will see plenty of images of the movies I've been watching on the projector. I've been taking pictures of the titles or, or of the box art if I've got particularly nice box art. And there's going to be some VHS in there soon as well. So if you want to see pretty much everything I've been watching, then by all means, follow me at Sam Asher's 23 on Instagram. Fantastic. That's it, right? Any last words, We're Dan? all done. No, that's everything. Fantastic. Get out of here. Let's go. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we promise to be more professional promise. next time. Next time. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>